You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 170, Dry Kill Logic. Hosted by Dan Terry. What if instead of the devil, it's a 10-speed bicycle? And Joseph Wren. Excuse me, sir, I'm the genre police. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think Dry Kill Logic is what happens when I make a joke and Dan wants to be serious... Then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. New Metal May continues. We're talking about Dry Kill Logic. Yeah, we are. This is uh, this has always kind of been a request uh, of a band for us to cover because they're like, look, I, we get it. It's new metal. That's not really your guys' thing. But it's kind of it's kind of become our thing, uh, at least this month. And the funny part about it is that, like, Draco Logic is so up my alley as far as aggression. Cause, like, they're the type of new metal. Like, we, we were talking in the, um, we were talking in the Cold Chamber episode about how, you know, there were new metal bands that were more rock based and there were ones that were more metal based. And, um, I think that, like Cold Chamber, Dry Kill Logic was kind of, kind of one of those bridge bands, uh, between those two types of new metal. But that's really just their first album, which we will get into. But, um, once once they go on they they kind of go into a lot of different directions and so it's a it's a it's a very fun small package uh with there only being three records and potentially a fourth one coming uh sometime in the future we'll keep our eyes open for that but uh yeah yeah this was a this was a really fun week for me i i don't have a lot of bad things to say spoilers there's a stereotype with new metal bands I don't know how many times we've talked about it, but the joke is punk rock energy with a guy who yells really fast at the microphone. I think Dry Kill Logic is very well known for that, but I would consider them to be a utility band. They're not one of the bands that I would mention as a definitive list of new metal bands, but you can't build the Freddy vs. Jason soundtrack with one band. You can't build the festival or the all-day point fest Shout out to 105.7. If you only have the bands that sold the most albums, Dry Kill Logic was one of the utility bands, I feel. They were one of the bands that were always going to be on the soundtrack or were always going to be played on the radio, and they have really good songs, but they only have three records. They didn't do a whole lot. They didn't adapt to the changing music. They didn't change their sound either. So yeah, kind of did a little bit, but not not so much that we have 10 records and the first three are completely different from the later. This isn't an El Nino situation where the first record is what we remember, but the band really didn't sound like that. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to that El Nino uh, episode. I can't I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I can't quite remember all of it <laughs> at this point in time. But uh, but yeah, Dry Kill was was very interesting, and they I feel like they kind of went down the path that a lot of the new metal bands did. Like I said, we're just teasing. We'll get into it uh, here here soon. But I, I think that overall, this band had a great body of work. And you know, you say they never did this and never did that. And all I and all I can say to that is they haven't done that yet because they are back <laughs> and they are working on new music. So, twenty twenty uh, might be a really good year for us. I mean, we could definitely, uh, it, it, it can only get better from, from this point on. Well, before we talk about how much better it's going to get, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. 
Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we do enjoy our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, and I got one to read for you guys tonight. It is from Alex Bernardo, and uh, he gave us five stars. He said, very metal. He said, love this podcast. They cover so many underground metal bands that I love, as well as do a great job breaking down mainstream band. They have caused me to re-listen to many bands that I have ignored in the past. Keep it up. Well, I appreciate that, definitely. And I I like that. I like that. the whole inter- cover so many underground bands, but also do a good job of breaking down mainstream bands because that is something that is something that we try to do. You know, um, some some of the more elitist people that have have checked out the podcast will get irritated when we throw out like a Metallica episode or or, or an episode about a band that's that's widely known. But I, I really enjoy seeing those bands' careers, too. Um, but I also, at the same time, enjoy introducing people to bands that maybe aren't as popular. So there's a lot of really good stuff out there that you haven't heard, and there's a lot of really popular stuff out there that isn't good. Um, so and we talk about all of it on this show. We try to. We really try to. There's only so much time in a day, but uh, you know I'll only try to take up about 23 hours of your time each day. So <laughs> take that how you will. We got a YouTube comment on episode 119, Between the Buried and Me. Andrew Solomon says, I'm hurt. Parallax 1 and 2 are my favorite albums. Sad face. I mean, it's all good. I mean, I think for me, I was so nostalgically attached to the first few BT Band records. I mean, I've definitely got a very, very uh, soft spot for Alaska. And obviously, we all love colors. Um, and Parallax 1 and 2, I think maybe I was burned out with concept albums. I don't know. Uh, I definitely enjoyed Parallax 2 much more than Parallax 1. But uh, yeah, no, I, I get you, man. We, we all have our favorite albums by these bands. And um, I definitely uh, definitely loving the new stuff that they're putting out as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. On episode 59, Opeth, Patrick McCarthy Bull commented on YouTube and said, Watership's lyrics... Let me show that again. Watershed's lyrics feel completely different when you realize that Michael was going when you realize what Michael was going through at the time. His ex had just killed herself and left him with some kids that he did not know he had. Too grossly oversimplify. That is definitely information that I was not aware of. Um, it does explain a lot though as far as uh, as far as some of those lyrics go for sure. If um, what you want is a dark progressive rock metal album, Opeth was the band and Watershed was an exceptionally dark entry, especially after Deliverance Damnation. I agree, 1,000%. So, Dan, tell me about Dry Kill Logic. Dry Kill Logic is an American band. Uh, Most people would say American new metal band. Uh, They are from New York, and they actually started in 1995, but they were called Hinge. And uh, Hinge is kind of a cool new metal band name. I'm I'm into that. Um, They had an EP that they put out in 97 called Kazmoshing is Good Fun. Probably the best EP name from a new metal band I could imagine. Absolutely, and 100% true. Yep. And then in 1999, they followed it up with another EP called Elemental Evil, and uh, that was kind of the one that got them noticed. Uh, got him noticed by by Roadrunner. So then they end up signing a deal. They had to change their name, though, because apparently the name Hinge was uh, under copyright. So uh, they, they couldn't have that. So uh, it's so funny. I, there, there's a note online here that says uh, it says they briefly changed their name to Hinge AD. W- what is it with bands referring to their band, referring to their original band name, but then adding an AD 
or a bc to the end of it like that that's gonna get you around copyright it has to be one of those haha look at us things i know ghost was ghost bc in the united states for a long time it has to be if the band name's not available we'll just take this abbreviation what does the bc mean you mean british columbia not even close those guys are from fucking sweden yeah, no doubt. Like, <laughs> I think, that, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> and there was even uh, the band Entombed, who I'm a huge fan of. Uh, they ended up having some kind of split uh, with, with some of their members. And so then Entombed continued, but then there was Entombed AD. Yeah, I just, I don't understand the logic there. No pun intended. Uh, but they ended up settling on the name Dry Kill Logic, which I think is just a really, really cool band name. It is a new metal as fuck name, and it captures that. 90s vibe and i know the first record came out in 2001 but there's a certain quality to 90s bands the way the art style and the dark band names and the way the band members dressed and wore makeup and shit dry kill logic just puts a really macabre drawing or painting on the cover of their first album the darker side of nonsense and this just looks like a new metal record it sounds like a new metal record the band is in some form of drop D and they are energy incarnate. I love the baritone moaning lyrical style. If he's not screaming, he's just kind of there in the room, but then he starts barking at the microphone and I say, hell yes, there's the new metal. Yeah, that cover definitely was the first thing that stood out to me with this record. Uh, it's definitely one of those, if I saw that on Facebook, I would report the picture immediately because it'd be one of those. <laughs> I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Uh, oh shit, dude! <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a rough one for me for sure. Uh, but I, I I think it's cool. Uh, I love the album title too, "The Darker Side of Nonsense," because it, I mean it really it really delivers a message of like you know this is a record that's going to be aggressive. It's going to be in your face. Um, but it's the darker side of nonsense though. So we we, we still like to have fun, <laughs> you know. Um, and overall, what you get with Dry Kill Logic is you get a band that is playing the heaviest music that they can imagine at the time. So you've got you've got low tune you've got low tune guitars, you've got that groove, you've got that you've got that new metal bounce to each of the songs. Hell fucking yes. Yeah, dude. And I love the uh, I love the screaming cuz it's not it's not just like a straight on screaming assault like Slipknot. It's more um, it's a little it, I wouldn't say subdued. And it's not really overly rappy or anything. I'm I'm trying to trying to find the best way to describe it. It's just that it's aggressive. Kind of kind of like what Dez was throwing down on the first Cold Chamber record but less Kermit the Frog and and, and more actual screams. It's the punk rock yell. It's the stereotype of new metal. It's rhythm driven groove with hip hop style vocals, but they're not just spoken. They're spoken very aggressively. He's barking at the microphone. It's punk rock as shit. I love every second of it. It's fun. It's new metal and new metal is supposed to be fun. It can be dark. It can be not dark, but it's supposed to be fun. And this has the bounce, as it were. It does. Like whenever I heard this record for the first time, I thought, "Man, I I feel like I'm at a buddy's house show." Not that it sounds bad or anything. I mean, it's very well produced. Um, I love the dichotomy between the clean vocals and the uh, and the screams. 
And what I like about it the most is that like the clean vocals, they can borderline a little bit on whiny. It reminds me a little bit of Taproot's uh, early material, and and that's fine. It's it's obviously much more aggressive than that with the screams, but the singing itself. I, I'm caught between being like, this could go very close to being a super whiny singer, but he kind of delivers in more of a flat, monotone way, which I actually really enjoy for, for whatever reason. Like, it might not be objectively good, but I find it very enjoyable. It reminds me of most of the bands that we listened to in the late 90s, early 2000s. The stereotype was, I'm going to be aggressive at the mic, but then I'm just going to kind of do the vocal and it's going to be melodic, but then I'm going to bark back at the microphone. Yeah, and the energy really holds up. Like, there's not a whole lot of slow songs on here, minus the last song, uh, which which is Good Night. Um, that, that's kind of the only time that they really let up. And you need them to let up because it's just been nothing but an assault. <laughs> um, Speaking yeah, of asphalt. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, asphalt. Um, I don't know. I just really like this record. I wish I had more to say about it. It's so hard when a band is this solid. Um, if I had to criticize anything, I probably would have put the tracks in a slightly different order. Um, I may have, I may have peppered in the singer songs in a little bit better. Like I don't know. Uh, I didn't do the sequencing on my own album either because I'm, I'm actually kind of bad about that. But uh, it doesn't flow like it should. But that doesn't take away from the impact of the material, if that makes sense. Um, this is one of the examples of. The record came out in 2001. If it was sequenced badly, you just resequenced it, burned a copy, threw it in the CD player, and went to fucking work. Wow, you did that? I, I don't know if I would have done that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really, I love the aggression level on this. And this band is is so in your face that it, it I wouldn't say it transcends new metal here. I think it's still very much in that category. Um, if you hate new metal, you're not going to like this. But if you like heavier bands kind of kind of in this vein with the melodic vocal as kind of just a peppering on top there's not a lot to complain about here um i'm really i'm really reaching for straws trying to find something i i don't hear very many new metal bands that are this solid that didn't immediately try to take whatever melodic sensibility they had and go mainstream with it uh these guys were these guys were absolutely trying to keep it as heavy as they possibly could for that year and uh it still holds up pretty well i think 2004 the dead and dreaming okay so this record is you know joe joe was talking earlier about how he didn't feel like they changed I think they very much changed on this record. Um, this is where, you know, you still have that new metal bass. And of course, I mean bassist, not bassist. Um, <laughs> it's not funky bass. But I mean, the song Lost kicks off with so much aggression that they have hit the harder side of new metal and actually start venturing, venturing into metalcore territory here. Vocals are harder than they were on the first record. And that's probably just like him crafting his voice. Um, he gets a lot deeper. He gets a, even a little bit more tough guy in places. But if you look at the riffs and the, the way the songs are constructed, they still have kind of that new metal bounce to them. You get a little dissonance here and there. I don't think it was stealing a trick from metalcore. I think the band was just being heavy. The record starts off with straight double bass, heavy chug. You get the fucking dissonant shrieky sounds on the top of the fucking riff. It was new metal for 2004. They went a little bit further than just let's play groove and do the sing song growl thing. Maybe they were trying to adapt, but at its core, 
this sounds like dry kill logic to me it sounds like a new metal band playing aggressive riffs and trying to keep the energy up here as opposed to we're going to slow down we're going to change our style or we're going to try to do something more hardcore metalcore ish i don't think they could have done that but they didn't try they kept it in the same vein they kept the same attitude i think they'd move forward musically they had kind of uh, updated with the times. But I think if you love that first Dry Kill Logic album, you're definitely not screaming sell out here. Absolutely <laughs> you know, this not. Is, this is this is absolutely um, in the vein of the more classic metal bands where your first two or three albums are what a lot of people would consider to be your best. And I actually think that this record surpasses the first record because I feel like listening to it in 2020, it still sounds modern aggressive. Like, it's not all blast beats or anything, but it, they definitely like mixing the new metal sound with the metalcore breakdowns. And um, and again, the screams being being more intense, going for a more tough guy hardcore meets extreme metal vocal sound. As much as I want to talk about the heavy vocals, the melodic singing is stepped up 110%. Whereas I talked about how on the first record, he was kind of flat, a little bit more monotone. And I did like that sound, but on this one, uh, I don't know if he just practiced a lot or got some help or, or what, but this, this absolutely, from a melodic vocal perspective, blows the first record completely out of the water. This is a bad comparison, but the aspects of Dry Kill Logic that sound familiar to me remind me more of Nonpoint throughout the discography. He doesn't have the same melodic tendencies, but like you said, he's putting a little more effort into it, or somebody is spending more time with him producing the vocal lines. So you get that definitive break between the hip-hop-driven aggressive verses and the melodic choruses. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and I think um, I think it's interesting hearing this mix of new metal and metalcore because I feel like this is the one of the first times a band like this has done this right has has made that transition the right way. Um, I think it's I think it's one of those situations where they had to keep up with the times. But on the flip side, I think that this is just what they wanted to do. I think this is what they wanted to do on the first record. Uh, but it was just 2001 and they were a new band then. This is this is a much more nuanced, mature. I hate using that word when talking about music, but it's a it's a much more mature record than the darker side of nonsense. Um, and because, I mean, dude, Paper Tiger is one of the, I mean, Paper Tiger starts off as one of the heaviest songs on the record. Like you're just drawn in immediately. It's just, it's just straight. I mean, straight riffage, just tearing you apart. I mean, you're getting pumped up. You're going crazy. Oh, and then that melodic chorus just kicks in. And I mean, you, you're still a good minute or so into the song before that hits. You're just grooving, you're thrashing, you're moshing, whatever it is you're doing. Um, hopefully you're doing it six feet apart from everyone else. Um, <laughs> unless it's 2004, then it's fine. Um, but no, I mean, it comes up. It, I mean, it's it's almost Pantera aggressive in its in its delivery. And normally I'd hit like you, you've heard me on this show criticize bands like Demon Hunter for always dropping that melodic chorus into what otherwise would be a really decent hardcore song. But man, on Paper Tiger, they just nail it. And it's 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 kind of like um, like that feeling I got when I was listening to My Ticket Home, Strangers Only, how they would go into a melodic chorus and. Uh, it was like the like the clouds just open up and, and you know, and it cuts through all the tension. 
and it gives you a good enough breather to where you're ready for it to go super aggressive again. They nailed it in a way that I've really only seen like a few bands do, most notably Slipknot. I would put this song on par with something like a Wait and Bleed as far as how well it's constructed. It's the perfect balance of aggressive with non-aggressive. If there's a formula for radio new metal, it's exactly what they do on Paper Tiger. And it's not just nostalgic, it sounds good. I can't tell you exactly why it works, but other bands that do it for the sake of the radio single don't work. This one just sounds honest to me. I like it, I'm enjoying the record, I'm having fun. I can't really pick it apart because when I listen to new metal, this is what I wanna hear. I want to hear exactly this formula. They definitely pull it off. And uh, then they go into a more metalcore direction, especially like the song One Handed Knife Fight. Um, they, they they start that off with just like pure dissonance, not unlike something you'd hear out of Norma Jean or The Chariot. Or if you're Joe, you might even hear a little bit of Godsmack with that uh, intro. <laughs> um, I don't hear that, but I just feel like since Joe's here, I have to mention it. They just, I mean, this record is, this record is absolutely... Uh, I'm going to say it, man. It's a perfect record. I don't hand that out too often, but I really don't have anything to complain about. I thought the first record was great. I was not expecting this band to actually be good. I'm going to be honest. Do we have a list of DiscussMetal.com's perfect albums? I mean, I guess I could go through the hundreds of hours of content that we have and try to try to pull out the times that I've said that, but it's, it's definitely less than 10 in almost 200 episodes. <laughs> I feel like we're going to need to build that at some point. I could make a Spotify playlist of my, of my of perfect albums. That, I think that'd be fun. If they're all available. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them are, are not going to be. But yeah, this record is the perfect balance of new metal and metalcore. It is what a metal fan absolutely wants in 2004, because maybe a lot of a lot of new metal fans are transitioning into metalcore fans at this juncture. And a band like Dry Kill Logic is helping bridge that gap. Um, I, I put this kind of in the same category that I would put Il Nino's One Nation Underground, uh, where they had they'd kind of done the same thing, where you know we're going to incorporate these elements of what people are into now, but we're going to be true to ourselves and not disappoint the old fans by doing a straight uh, genre switch. There's new metal in here, there's there's metalcore in here, there's hard hard rock in here, but the band is never particularly married to one style. It's it's all blended very well. Two thousand and six. Of vengeance and violence. It's funny because whenever I was streaming, so I, I, I'm that guy now. I have a, uh, I have a Google Music and a Spotify streaming account, and under both, uh, <laughs> under both of those uh, streaming services, this record is listed as rock. And uh, clearly, I've been listening to the wrong type of rock. Uh, <laughs> this is this is not what I expect whenever I hear rock. Um, my dying heart kicks this thing off and i'm starting to hear more metalcore um it actually so this is what surprised me the most about this song is it starts off with a gallop like a, like an actual metal gallop and then before you know it the vocals kick in and we're back in dry kill logic land i don't know if i should raise the middle finger or raise the horns on this one it's a i mean i think you got two hands joe you can make both of them happen <laughs> And I think you should be using both hands for this. If your hands are not in the air and you're not moshing whenever you hear this band play, you're dead. This album breaks the rule. Just because you have a gallop doesn't mean you're metal. And if you need proof of that, listen to A Vengeance and Violence. It's not a Lamb of God. It's not an As I Lay Dying. It's not a Metallica or an Anthrax or a Pantera. I would argue that it is definitively new metal. 
but they put that gallop in because it makes sense in the song. If the core elements of new metal are rap and hip hop, metal has the gallop and always has. How many new metal bands use the gallop well? Not very many. Well, and I think this is, this was, you know, the last record I said was a transitional type of record. I feel like they've transitioned more into metalcore with this one. But the thing that surprised me was that, you know, not only is this record like far more brutal than probably the last two combined, but they've added in a lot more hard rock elements too. So, I mean, I guess that tag on the streaming services isn't like totally without warrant. There's a little bit of that hard rock swagger um, in some of these songs, which I wasn't expecting and ended up being a little bit more pleasantly surprised by it than I thought I would be um, because I, I kind of just expected this band to just beat me over the head the entire time and then, maybe, <laughs> and then maybe sing me to sleep a little bit to like bandage the wounds. But like if you listen to the song Caught in the Storm, uh, that one is, it starts off with kind of that more hard rock swagger. Um, the clean vocals are not as, they're not as clean on this one as they were on the previous record. And uh, that's not a downside. It's just that it's it's a more gritty delivery and keeps the hard rock elements hard rock instead of it just being like, okay, we, we did the super brutal part. Now we're going to contrast it. The contrast isn't as defined on this one. And it, go, it gives it a much more streamlined sound. It gives it a much more um, natural progression from one to the other. And I think vocally, this is probably more in line with what the band would sound like live. It's like a more honest portrayal, I guess. I like the record. I wish I could sit here and give you a fully technical breakdown of it, but Dry Kill Logic does something very well. They make records that are fun to listen to, and there's not a whole lot that doesn't pay off, if anything. I could almost give you my final thought right now, but A Vengeance and Violence is the third record in a discography that it's all good, and there's really nothing bad to say about it. Not at all. I mean, the songs are longer, they're more complex. This band has not reverted yet. They've never gone backwards at any point. They've always pushed their sound forward. And it's it's hard to, to stretch so much butter over this bread with it only being three records. But I mean, overall, I just felt like this was kind of the pinnacle of what they had been building up to. They've transitioned more into a Chimera style uh, metalcore band. And um, it's kind of disappointing because I would have really liked to have heard where they would have gone after this. Um, but unfortunately, um, they kind of just went, uh, they kind of just went away. There's not a whole lot of like press or anything to tell me exactly what happened with the band. Um, I know their record label went out of business uh, in 2007, and um, but they just basically had been dormant after that and hadn't really done anything. I mean, I think the individual band members probably went out and did stuff. And, you know, as time went on, um, they had a fan base and uh, that fan base pushed very heavily uh, on our friends in Roach Coach. Like, when are you guys going to do an episode on Dry Kill Logic? And uh, eventually they settled down and did one. And then I think it was not too long after that episode came out uh, that all they, they announced in 2018, like, hey, uh, we have new music. We're working on new stuff. And then they started posting teasers in 2019. And then they eventually ended up releasing a single called Vices. And uh, if you guys haven't listened to that single yet, I would highly recommend you do so. Uh, because this this really picks up where uh, this really picks up where they left off. 
it does not sound like as many years have gone by. And I part of me wonders, is that like they sat down and just found the old magic? Or is this a song that they had in the can ready to go all this time? 2020 has been a good year. The ending of the 20-teens has been a good decade. We're seeing more and more of these bands that came and went come back. Some of them come back and then leave again. Dry Kill Logic is saying we're coming with something. I'm actually shocked that the response has been that positive. I don't think Dry Kill Logic is a band that people would put at the top of any list. But why wouldn't you put them there? You're having so much fun listening to it. More Dry Kill Logic appears to be a good thing. It doesn't look like we're going to get a bad experience with this one. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is kind of one of those hidden gem type of bands that, you know, you may have missed when you were busy listening to Korn and Coal Chamber and Il Nino and Mudvayne and Taproot and those bands that just kind of dominated that scene. You've got Dry Kill Logic over here doing their own thing, and it's everything that you wanted when when your favorite bands were disappointing you. You absolutely could have been listening to Dry Kill Logic and had no complaints. Final thoughts on Dry Kill Logic, Dan. Well, I think I just said it, you know, uh, a hidden gem. Like I said, New Metal May is very up and down for me every year, where sometimes I'm covering an old favorite, uh, and sometimes there's bands that I initially thought that I loved, but then realized over time that I didn't. Uh, and Dry Kill Logic was kind of new for me. Uh, I wasn't into the band whenever I was younger, so I didn't have that emotional attachment. So I kind of went into it not expecting much, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, but they they won me over uh, one album at a time, man. I would listen, and then I would listen to it again. I would listen to it again. We even pushed back the episode for a few days because I kind of just kept listening to stuff over and over and over again and being like, wow, this is beyond, like, I'm just doing a show. I like this. <laughs> and I like these I like these songs. And uh, so, yeah, Total Hidden Gem. You should check them out. If you haven't listened to Vices yet, you need to go listen to it and, uh, and get excited for a band that maybe you didn't know existed. And if you did know they existed, you've been waiting a long time. <laughs> and uh, hopefully that, that wait will be worth it for you. I mentioned it earlier. I think Dry Kill Logic is one of the utility bands in the early 2000s where once the mainstream recognized new metal and that was what they wanted to listen to, Dry Kill Logic is one of the bands that could open the show or play the second part of the show before the headliner comes out. I don't know that they are a band that would lead the charge and be the reason that people bought tickets and came to see the show. I don't know who you sit through before you see Dry Kill Logic, but everything they do is enjoyable. It's fun. It has the new metal attitude. It has the energy. They have the riffs. They have the hooks. You should be listening to Dry Kill Logic and hopefully we can all listen to more Dry Kill Logic very soon. Dan, what's your album of the week? Uh, my album of the week, I, I finally gotten over this Testament record. Not that I've gotten over it, but uh, I decided to go back to some old school Testament. And uh, so I've been listening to uh, Souls of the Black by Testament. I've been digging through my stack of hundreds of CDs, came across a record I picked up for not very much money very recently. And since it's New Metal May and I was having such a good time listening to Dry Kill Logic, my album of the week will be Hallelujah, Pain is the Game. The album cover is not representative of what the music sounds like, I assure you. (laughs) 
I assure you. Three words. Superhero, motherfucker, Superman. There it is. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and would like to reach out and interact with us in any way, there are so many different ways you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. We have our own private Facebook group that you can join that uh, I swear we're going to start using a lot more. And uh, we've started doing that before we've been recording the episode. So uh, it's been nice talking to you guys on there. We have a Discord server. There's a link in the show notes. If you click on it, it'll take you to our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time if we're awake. Even if we're not awake, you know, I I might send some sleepy, uh, some sleepy responses or something to that nature. You can always send us an old-fashioned email at show at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to represent Discography Discussion out on the street, whenever it's safe, of course, uh, you can always check out our merch store on Teespring. There'll be a link in the show notes for that. You can buy Discography Discussion t-shirts, uh, hoodies, socks, whatever else, cell phone cases, whatever else I have on there. Check it out. Uh, support the podcast. You can always support us on Patreon. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a variety of ways you can get a hold of us, and we appreciate all of you guys that do. And on that note, this has been episode 170 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please, send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. One dollar gets you into that exclusive album review feed. And each individual dollar I like to get as a gold coin so that I can put them in a giant vault and then Scrooge McDuck my way through every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs>